Hello, hello, my loves. Happy Tuesday. It feels like it should be Monday with the whole Instagram, Facebook blackout. I hope everyone just really took note of how they felt yesterday just being off of social media. I mean, I love my social media breaks on the weekend. I love like just turning my phone off at night. It feels so, so good and refreshing. I think social media is, is definitely like just a tool that we have to really learn our boundaries with because if we're just like, all up in our phones all the time i know that can feel heavy especially like with the way of the world right now and everything that's been going on like you can still protect your peace and that's something that i've had to do and would recommend if anyone is feeling overwhelmed by the news just creeping up into social media it's like that's not what i am using social media for and i, I don't watch the news um but anyway, I'm glad I could go off into a tangent, but I just, I, I hope everyone took note of how they felt. And I like my first question to my assistant was like, what is everyone doing with their lives? Um, and they were living, they were working and felt the presence of God. Like, it's just, it's amazing what can happen when we're so, we're not so immersed in our, in our phones and like Instagram reality or false reality, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I wanted to talk about my friend Courtney for a second. I'm so excited for this podcast episode. So a few days ago, or it was like sometime late last week, and I was thinking about recording my own solo podcast episode to end out season one of Functional Fertility. And I was like, for some reason, Courtney just popped in my mind and I was like, oh my God, Courtney, do you want to come on the show and like be the last podcast episode for uh, the season? Like, I know this is super last minute. And she said, yes. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. So we immediately brainstormed like a topic to, to talk about and we were both like so excited to talk about this because I feel like we need to talk about this so much more in the space and I really hope this brings you hope, inspiration, and awareness and just a, an overall feeling of love for yourself in this journey. I um that's how I felt like we were just like chills like all throughout and it can get really emotional like if, if any of it resonates with you or maybe this is the first time you're hearing you know these ideas being brought to light um, we just hope that it, it gives you something to walk away with um, it's a long episode longest I've had I think and it is a juicy one so just be sure to listen. We understand if you need to take a pause in between and then just kind of like come back to it maybe another day, but finish it out. There's lots of goodies in there, especially towards the end. So don't, <laughs> if we, if we kind of like lose you for a second, just reel it back in. Um, but yeah, as always, we hope you enjoy the episode. If it resonates with you, please feel free to leave a five-star review and rating as it helps the show tremendously as we continue to have, have wonderful guests on the second season of Functional Fertility. And with that being said, enjoy the show, guys.
Hey guys, welcome back to the Functional Fertility Podcast. I am super stoked for today's episode with Courtney. And we're going to talk a lot about just, I feel like a lot of good stuff, right, Courtney? (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited to chat today. Thanks for coming on. I literally messaged Courtney like, what, like two days ago. I was like, please come on the podcast. This is the last episode of the season. So we're going to, we're going to go out with a bang for sure. Um, so there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast and I feel like a lot of my listeners definitely follow a lot of the same practitioners and stuff. But for those who, um, don't know you, Courtney, can you give us a little bit of a background and how you kind of landed in this space? I know that's kind of like a, a really long winded question, <laughs> but anything that you have to say, we're so here for it. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm a long winded person, so I'll try to keep this short. <laughs> so 2020. Um, within that time frame, I was just on Instagram. I was posting, you know, about things that I aligned with, and I happened to come across a few practitioners, um, including you, Kiara. And really, it was like permission to just keep on talking about things that I viewed and that you and others view as being really foundational to wellness. And so things that are typically really um, kind of hidden away on Instagram, like eating gluten at times if you're not intolerant, eating dairy, um, eating sugar, stuff like that. I feel like especially like a few years back, that would have been really criticized and really shamed. And for a while, I was kind of trying to figure out, well, how do I really get my true nutritional beliefs across to people without causing them to just run away? Because it might not be like 100%, you know, like Whole30 or something like that. But then when I started to really post about what I believed in, it's like I just happened to meet all these people. So here we are. We all connected. It's all meant to be. So that's kind of um, a little bit of an overview. But yeah, that was around the time frame that we all kind of seemed to connect was 20. Yeah. I wonder if it like all happened at the same time, because I think I really found the space in July-ish of last year. Actually, one of my followers shared like a Mito Life supplement. And I was like, what's this? <laughs> it was like vitamin E, I think. Yeah. Actually, one of my friends, they they messaged me Matt's post about like vitamin D, azorbic acid. And I was like, not what? even automatically like, no. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. Like, what oh does he have to say? Which I feel like that's actually the essence of this whole community is just being open and reasonable. Like, just because you're open, that doesn't mean you automatically agree with something. It just means that you're willing to listen to another perspective and then you can do what you want with it. So mm-hmm. I think this health space is just ever evolving and this like it's never settled. Right. And so having an open mind to all of it, um, I kind of was not going to lie, afraid to speak up about the things that I was learning about. And like, is this really true? Like, what is everyone going to think of me? Um, because I very much preached like the other end of the spectrum. Um, and I know we, we both have, um, Uh, experience with the Nutritional Therapy Association too. So there's a lot of things that that go against those foundations too. And so it was very kind of scary at the same time, but I knew kind of just like in what you were saying, once I speak up about this, it just, it felt really freeing and liberating and 
it gave people hope. And I know I feel 10 times better with my own health. Um, so speaking of health, what were some of your symptoms that you went through? I know PCOS was one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Or like not symptoms, but like your conditions, I guess. Yeah. Well, the main thing for me was hypothyroidism, which I'm convinced led to me experiencing PCOS. Um, I, from a pretty young age, I had some health struggles, but when I was around 13, 14, that's when things were really starting to get bad. That's when I started to have chronic migraines, pretty much right at the onset of puberty. I was like 12 years old. And that's really when, at least with me, there was probably that like estrogen that was really starting to surge. Um, that was my timeline at least, but then things got worse with my thyroid. Um, I didn't really have the classic, like what, like weight struggles. It was more so like anxiety that caused me to not even be able to eat enough. Cause I was anxious all the time. Um, and I totally had like mineral issues looking back. Like I'm really able to see what was going on. Um, if only I had known, but, um, my, my issues were definitely there. The good thing that happened is that I actually worked with, um, more of a functional neurologist who actually helped me get on progesterone and armor thyroid, which actually probably helped me not go into the full blown, really chronic PCOS, um, really chronic Hashimoto's because I ended up getting uh, mono when I was in college, which caused me to have Hashimoto's on top of already being hypothyroid. And really when I was a freshman in college, that's when things reached a peak, even though it helped bringing those things in, like having progesterone, because I probably wasn't ovulating regularly. Um, and I was never on the pill. And of course, that was a Band-Aid fix. It did kind of keep things from going into a really, really extreme category, but mono pushed me over the edge at that point. So yeah, my health was not ideal when I was just starting out in college. But then I discovered nutrition. And of course, I didn't have um, everything in line at that point, but it helped. I was kind of in a place where I was really looking at like parasites and like really like obsessed with that kind of thought and I I really kind of started to go into a place of being really scared of my body and scared of what was going on and what was like harming me and also really starting to lean in towards a lot of anxiety with food where that had never been anything that I had struggled with before so even when it comes to the whole approach with like hey, being okay with eating some high quality dairy, having some gluten, if it really doesn't cause this noticeable reaction for you. That's what I started intuitively doing on my own because I realized, okay, my mental health is not ideal. And I didn't start this whole thing to end up having a whole other issue that I didn't even have in the first place. So even before I came across, you know, like Ray Pete's work and things like that, I had just started eating some sugar and it made me feel better. And in my mind at the time, like, just like with what you mentioned, like with like the NTA, it's like no sugar, you know, it's bad for your teeth. It's bad for all these other things. It's addicting. I yeah. had kind of just thrown out of the window. I was like, I don't care. I only have one life. And if I feel really sad because I'm not eating enough carbs or enough sugar, I'm just going to have to make this one little exception for myself. Come to find out it really wasn't a bad plan all along. Um, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, 
Oh, okay. So going back to what you said about being really anxious, um, because you were hypothyroid, can we talk about if that was like kind of the chicken or the egg situation? Like, what do you think? I mean, was it, was there anything else driving that anxiety? Because I think that kind of is like a really good segue into like what we're going to talk about today and like mental health and like the emotional impact on the body. So like, what do you think could have been other contributors to that anxiety? Like, was it hypothyroid first and then anxiety came or could it be both? Oh gosh. I mean, there, there's a really strong genetic background of hypothyroidism in my family. And so I had that, but of course, um, like having, having kind of like an anxious attachment style, like not really having the most ideal parenting style for me, probably, you know, this is not about me like criticizing anything. It's more so just observing. That's what I really like to make clear is that I'm really comfortable with observation of like my childhood of the past. It's really interesting to me. And so this is not me like throwing criticism and critique at people who were close to the age I am now and they became my parents, which is just crazy to me. You know, if anything, I just have a lot of compassion there and I have an awareness towards, hey, they weren't told what to do in parenting books. Their parents weren't, you know, comforting them or raising them in a way that was um, more ideal for them. So I just wanted to preface that. I know that a lot of people kind of go down a path of like having hatred and anger, but it's really just observation here. But with that being said, I'll stop ranting about that. With that being said, I do think that, you know, everything from me as a child, I look back, I always, always, always wanted to be like in a room with other people when I would sleep. Like, I wanted to like hold someone's hand. I wanted to just like cuddle up and no, it was like, you're in your own room. And if you try to leave your room, that's bad. Like, like, no, like you can't hang out with your friends if you leave your room in the middle of the night, because we need you to stay in there. And if you ask to sleep with us, no, that's not a place for kids. Like go back to your own room. And of course there was understanding there. I remember that, but like as a child, like, I was just the one that would have been a great fit for like more, more closeness, more of like a compassion filled approach. So I do absolutely think that that contributed to me being very like um, hyper aware, sensitive, things like that. Not, not really able to regulate myself, even though a lot, a lot of the talk around even like sleep training and things like that is to try to get kids to regulate themselves when I clearly had a pretty big issue with that, even though that's what was used with me. Does that make sense? Oh my God. Like everything that you're saying, I'm like, yes, I can totally relate. Like secret is out. I slept with my parents until I was like eight years old, like very late in life because I was so afraid of sleeping without them. Um, and yeah, I didn't want to, but I, I think I did uh, eventually, and it just it was fine after that. But I didn't. I never wanted to be alone um, sleeping, and that kind of played out in college too. So it never stopped. Like when I was just a kid, like in college, I remember wanting to be with my friends, whether it was like doing nothing, like someone had to be around, or like if no one was around, maybe I would go to work with them or something. It was just really, really extreme. Um, yeah. So yeah, I can totally relate to that anxious attachment style for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. And like, even with attachment styles, it's interesting to think about that because it's almost like there can even be these areas of your life where there is like one particular attachment style. I know that like might not be the like official word on it, um, but at least that's what I observe. It's like, oh, like in this area of my life, I feel like I'm more this way or in that area, I feel like I'm more this other way. Um, But yeah, I feel like a lot of people who are more along the lines of like being like a little more like intuitive or just like more, more along the lines of like what we both do for a living. I feel like a lot of people, especially women were like that as kids. It's just like this, like, you know, like you just want to be close to people. You just want to connect. And so that makes a lot of sense. Like now viewing like what you do and what I do, like just that like ability and a desire to connect makes a lot of sense because that's needed in this type of work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're so right. That's a really big light bulb moment. And that like is, is so apparent too, because like in my client work, like remembering when to draw boundaries as well in like a loving kind way, because there can be moments when they're moving through things and like, you would just want to so badly like fix it. And when you can't fix it, like it's, there's a codependency and I'm learning a lot about like being interdependent in, in so many mm-hmm. relationships, whether it's romantic friendships or clients, whatever, um, doing everything together versus like codependency. And I think when we say codependency too, I used to think a lot about like being anxious and needing someone always there, but I know it can also work on the other hand, like someone who's independent, but knows how to fix someone else's situation and needs to fix someone else's situation and needs to feel responsible for it. Um, that's a form of codependency too. So yeah. I was going to say, I think you're right with like the, um, the emotional sensitivity and like being more quote unquote symptomatic, like, especially as women, I think we have this innate wisdom that we're born with. And when we're so deeply connected to others' feelings and emotions and wanting to fix, I think when we reach and keep on reaching, um, I think that's when disease can really come on Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, it's not the only way I know there, (laughs) I think it's a factor into the whole like stress bucket and all the things. Yeah, no, I completely agree because there are kind of these two parts, of course, the, the direct impact that your words, your thoughts, your overall emotional state will have on your health. Like, for anyone listening, um, I wish I had the like exact name of this where I could reference it, but I know there have been um, a few studies, or maybe it was one large study that was done where basically, even with like water vapors and crystals and snowflakes or something like that, this sounds kind of on un- like unintelligent what I'm trying to explain it. But basically I know that there has been proof that our words can even impact like water molecules. Like if you, if you have really like aggressive, negative, hateful words, it'll make like the water structures be like more jagged. Yeah. You know, the name of that study. Cause I, yeah, completely. Yeah. That was rough. No, no, no. I don't know the name of the study, but I'll have to try to find it and look it up and probably link it in the show notes. But kind of, that kind of reminded me of the 
I don't know if this is an official study, but um, plants and talking to plants and like, yes. you know, that yes, thing, that you mm -hmm. speak kindly to a plant, it grows. If you don't, it just doesn't or it dies. <laughs> kind of same thing. But I did hear about the water one a while back. I just, I can't remember the name of the study. So we'll have to find it and link it for everyone. But that's so true. I think um, what a lot of people tend to neglect in, in this healing, when they're healing and it like with validity, because when you're trying to heal, you're so focused on just like getting rid of the symptom. And you're just like so desperate. Like I have totally been there. I'm sure you have too. Um, but self-talk like thoughts that even just go on inside of our heads and we're not even aware of it like half the time I think not until someone asks you like what do you think about yourself or what what are the thoughts that go on around around in your headspace all day long um and then there comes the line of like being too aware and like too analytic of everything so there's definitely like a fine I don't want to say balance because I don't know if balance can ever truly be achieved in today's world, but just a gentle, loving awareness of those thoughts versus being like critical of them and beating yourself up about having those thoughts. Um, and I think it comes back down to the nervous system too. And I'm just learning so much about the nervous system. I think it's so important. So, um, Okay. So getting back to our topic, um, the emotional impact or the impact of our emotions have on the body. So with this being like a fertility podcast and everything, um, I know we talked about having a, a relationship to yourself prior to giving birth. So I know you're 25, you said, right? Yeah. But plans for a baby aren't and in the near future, right? It's like years down the road kind of thing. I mean, like in my, in my late twenties for sure. So yes. kind of in a stage right now of prep, the whole timeline isn't really there yet, but I'm for sure like, like two-ish, three-ish years away from that is, is really what I'm thinking. So personally right now I'm, I'm of course like going to like be running like a few tests, like HTMAs as I go along, like few Dutch tests, things like that. But right now I'm more so in a phase of like just continuing to like work on like myself. I mean, like I feel really healthy right now, but I know that even what you and I were talking about, like when we were talking about what we would be popping into on the podcast um, <laughs> talking about it kind of like that's gonna be the first thing I say it I can't do that um, I'm like more of a writer than a speaker but it's okay I accept myself which is a little <laughs> bit of the purpose behind this podcast you know um but like who how how much you have healed because ev everyone has pain most people have trauma. I hate to say everyone has trauma because that's kind of like generalizing things. But I will say most people have experienced trauma, whether it is really intense or even if it's mild trauma. If it's unresolved, if it's unaddressed, and if you haven't healed, it's going to be really hard to even have love towards yourself. And you're going to have to have that if, if you can even, you know, be okay with who you are, first of all. But then as you move into motherhood and 
you and I are coming from a perspective of we're not moms yet. I feel like a lot of the resources out there are very much like, hey, I'm a mom now and here's what I did, which is just as important. But there are women who might really benefit from hearing this, even from a perspective of those who are right beginning stages of like planning and prepping to even have their first baby. So I think that's cool to just have that as a resource for people as well. Oh yeah. I mean, the whole topic fascinates me. I mean, that's why I like niche down and really want to work with women who are in that phase of their lives because it's so important. And I think a lot of us don't understand the importance because we have doctors who are telling us that we can stay on the pill as long as we need to until it's time to actually start conceiving. So let's talk about that. Why is that recommendation not necessarily optimal? Yeah, it's not going to be optimal because while you're on the pill, your body is not going to be ovulating. And when you're not ovulating, you're not creating progesterone. So it's crazy because when you're on the pill, you actually have an extremely hospitable or not not hospitable. What am I saying? Like a very like non-hospitable environment like for a baby. And so how do you how do you even reason with okay, I'm going to take a prescription that makes my body like a place that is not welcoming for a pregnancy. Then one day I'm just going to get off of it and I'm going to get pregnant and it's going to be great. I'm going to have a healthy pregnancy. Like, no, this is the opposite of new life. Like while you're on the pill, you're not ovulating and egg is not being released. And so it's very much in opposition to, um, you know, you as a person if you are planning on eventually conceiving, that's yeah. my view. I know a lot of people are scared because they think they might get pregnant too soon, but that's when, you know, fertility awareness, things like that, <laughs> which we'll probably talk about too. Um, yes. Yeah. That's when knowledge comes into play, but a lot of people are really scared. And so even that in and of itself is an emotional state that really hinders you from having clarity. And when you don't have clarity, you can't make good decisions. So I think that that is a place that a lot of women are in and they can't even like make the decision for themselves. Oh yeah. I totally agree. I think there's a, a huge disconnection from the body that could take place. I mean, not always like, I, again, I don't want to generalize for everyone. Like not everyone's I've seen women who are like apparently completely fine. Like after getting off the pill for years and years and that's amazing. Yeah. But that's not usually typically what I see. I usually see the opposite. I usually see women who get off the pill and their anxiety is like completely gone. But I think after being on it for years and years and all the nutrient depletions that could take place, which are hello necessary for <laughs> like yeah. sustaining life, um, not only a baby, but like your own, um, your mental health, like starting to ovulate again, it doesn't always happen right away for every single woman. And there are women who like conceive right away after getting off of birth control. But do you believe that is optimal? Um, no, I mean, I, one thought I've had recently, actually just in the past few days is that if you are an individual that has not been harmed by pharmaceuticals, that is a privilege. And you are very, very fortunate. I will always speak for those who have been harmed and so whenever I'm talking about anything that's like more Western based, I have those people in mind. Like I want to fight for those people. I want to fight for those I love and like 
know really closely in my own personal life, but also my clients who have had even even just the most like horrific Western interventions recommended for their health, where in a lot of cases, it's actually caused them to like, maybe not even be able to like have a baby because they had to have like an emergency hysterectomy or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I will always be mindful of those people. And so I know, I know a lot of people are thinking, well, like Western medicine can be good. It can be helpful. Of course it can save lives, but it also can harm a lot of lives. And so kind of with that being said, I'm always going to view like the worst possible outcome in mind, not because I'm negative. I really am not a negative person. It's just more so if this is a possibility and if it actually is pretty common for women to have a negative reaction, then I of course would never recommend this as being a good idea for a woman who wants to have a baby, you know, and, um, even, even with what you mentioned, like nutrient depletion, like I see a lot of women, like a lot of my clients end up having major issues with their gut. They end up having like chronic migraines, crazy issues like that, chronic anxiety, even depression because of the pill issues they never had before. And I'm just thinking all of this happened because you didn't even know because you weren't told how your body actually works and you weren't even empowered to make a choice that would ultimately serve you. You were just handed a pill. You're just handed a prescription and yeah, not given anything else. It makes me sad. I get pretty fired up if you can't tell. Oh no. I mean, I totally get it. I feel the same way. So, and, and someone has to speak up for, for those who can't, you know, who, who might not want to, who might not be able to, like, they don't have the emotional capacity to do so. And you're someone who, who has kind of turned her, what is that saying? There's something that it's like, turn her mess into a message. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like that's, that's what I think of my life, like turn my mess into a message. Um, and I think we're having to do a lot of like unlearning and relearning kind of like what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, like you don't share anything to criticize someone or anything like that. I think we're kind of in this era that I'm loving where we're unlearning and relearning and just implementing and it feels so new and it's really, really nice to be a part of. And I hope that the next generations can carry these traditions on because I feel like we just, I don't know. I feel like they kind of were there. They were there with our like ancestors and great grandparents and things like that. But then um, we became so disconnected because of the advancements that we've seen in today's world. And, you know, I understand that might be necessary too, probably for you and I to have a discussion like we are today too. But um, it's like, where can we find health with all of that? as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unlearn because we thought that birth control could help balance hormones and fix everything underneath the sun. But now we're starting to uncover like the truth of what it actually is. And from our perspective, we see it as a band-aid approach to a lot of these symptoms that, um, are really stemming from something else. And I think it's our mission to really make women aware of that so that they can make informed choices for themselves and their health and their babies and future generations to come. Um, So you mentioned the fertility awareness method and like getting off of birth control. I see so much resistance to the fertility awareness method because um, 
it can seem daunting. It can seem like a lot. You're having to track something every single day. You're starting to become familiar with your body. What does this mean? (laughs) So many questions. And I think there's a lot of fertility awareness experts on the market, or even like just books, like taking charge of your fertility. I have it here on my desk. Um, It's like a Bible, like a Holy grail for fertility awareness. And I love it so much. Um, But what are some things that you would recommend to the woman who is hesitant, especially if she's in a, like a committed relationship with someone and, you know, she's getting off the pill, but wants to maintain a romantic relationship with them and is afraid of, of getting pregnant. Yeah. What would you say to her? Yeah. So first of all, I would say read that book because that's the exact (laughs) book that I recommend to all my clients. And I even talk about it on my membership. You know, I feel like that book is really what changed it for me. So I, I had a friend who talked to me because I was like, I was like in college, like I was like about to get married. I was engaged and I was like, I guess I'll just go on the pill, even though like it kind of scares me. Um, And I was already on my health journey and I was kind of hesitant. I talked to her she was like, um, yeah, so here's the deal with the pill. She explained it and was like, read this book. I started reading it. And when I did, even though I was in a place at the time I was 21, I was not planning on having a baby. It would not have been ideal. Um, I felt comfortable after reading that book, after learning about my body to actually not use any, any intervention other than, you know, what I always recommend on top of that, especially if you're not wanting to conceive is withdrawal and probably also a barrier method, especially if you're in a place where you are just not up for having a baby and it would not be a good situation. So those two things, plus monitoring your ovulation and just avoiding, you know, whenever you're in your fertile window or just using extra protection that's really all you have to do. I will say the odds, the odds of getting pregnant while you are using that method, especially with other methods, like I mentioned, um, it's really, really low and you can still get pregnant when you're on the pill or if you have an IUD. And I think that's one thing that women also need to know is that, Hey, your odds actually could possibly be lower. If you actually track your cycles, you know, when you're ovulating, you use a barrier method, use withdrawal, which I know some people roll their eyes, but I'm just thinking, you know, that's a lot easier. That's a lot easier to do than it would be to potentially experience some really negative effects of the pill, like losing your libido in the first place. And then it's like, what's the point of this anyway? Or, um, you know, having anxiety or depression where that's going to impact your life in drastic ways. So I guess your question is, what would I tell the woman who's scared about that? I would I would lay out the facts, lay out the risks. I would explain what the pill is actually doing or the IUD or the implant. You know, I say the pill, but I just mean hormonal birth control. The copper IUD has issues too. I will say that's probably the more ideal choice if you're looking at something, but even that is not anything that I personally felt comfortable with or would recommend if there is a woman who feels comfortable with um, using the fertility awareness method and maybe some other things too, just to help with like that little margin of, you know, you can still get pregnant, but like, as long as you are aware of when you're ovulating, like for the most part, you really, really have an extremely, extremely low risk of getting pregnant. You know what I think is so awesome too? It's actually really beautiful. You can begin to cultivate a really deep relationship with yourself 
by practicing the fertility awareness method versus just taking a pill every single day and potentially experiencing side effects that are really unwanted. Um, so that's like one bonus because I think that's a part of the whole preconception phase, right? Like building a relationship with yourself so that you don't, I don't know, like, um, after birth, like we were talking about this after birth, a lot of women tend to quote unquote, like, just forget who they are. Like, actually I'm just working with a client and she, I was like, what do you like to do? And she was like, I have no idea because she's a mom. And she's like, I just, I cook, I clean, I put dishes away and I read the kids bedtime stories. And she like, we both acknowledge that being a mom is like literally one of the most beautiful jobs in the entire world. I cannot wait to be a mom, but at the same, on the same token, it's like, okay, but who am I like outside of that? Because I think that is, um, that's really empowering. And mm. by doing like a simple step as like practicing the fertility awareness method and having grace and patience with yourself while learning it, knowing that this is like a, a skill that needs to be learned. Like we weren't taught this, unfortunately, growing up. Um, this is something that's really new and we need to, well, it's actually not really new. Like, I feel like people have known about this for a really long time. Um, but at least for me, like it hasn't been too, too long. Um, mm -hmm. so I think it's at least worth a shot. Yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah. And even, even in light of, you know, motherhood and prepping once again i just want to mention not a mom yet not acting like i have the perspective of a mom but i have been you know i i have had a mom and what or i i have i have a mom still i have a mom i have been a child i have been a child who has had a mom so yeah i've i've had like that part of the experience and looking back now as a woman looking at, oh my gosh, my mom was 30 when she had me. And so like a little older than I am now, but knowing like you can still be like mid late twenties and still feel like you're trying to figure it all out. And I have a lot of compassion when it comes to my viewpoint of like, wow, she didn't have the resources. She didn't you know, even know that with the induction with me, that that would lead to hemorrhaging and then that would lead to postpartum depression. And then everyone was telling her, yeah, put your baby in another room when it's like two weeks old. Okay. I guess I'm supposed to do that. You know, she didn't know. And so I have a lot of compassion when I look at that, but then I feel like because of what happened, especially like in the nineties with a lot of parents, you know, a lot of the parenting advice was the same. And what I've also heard from a lot of friends, a lot of peers is that when they had a mom who, who didn't really have any other outlets, any hobbies, nothing on the side with like a job or anything creative, there was almost this more of this risk of hearing a comment from their mom along the lines of, you know, I do everything for you. I never hear thank you. And I've given my entire life for you. And while the concept of that, of giving yourself for your children is true, and that is a beautiful sacrifice. That is so, so beautiful. I know personally, I never want to put myself in a position where I reach a point of frustration 
um, with my future kids where I actually word it that way, where I'm like, I've given everything for you. I more so want to be like, I love giving my time, my energy, my love to you because you're, you know, like amazing. You're my child. I love you. And I feel like that neglect towards yourself, which I feel like women don't really get the help they need, first of all, which is like a whole other conversation. Um, I'm kind of starting to go on like a whole tangent about this, so I'll try to bring it back. But all in all, I do think that there needs to be just aware, like an awareness of like, hey, you need to heal, you need support, you need hobbies, you need to walk outside, you need to, you know, have have all these emotional elements because like you're not just here to like pop a baby out and then it's like a day. It's like you are, you know, a woman who has this amazing responsibility and gift of having a baby. But that, you know, like what I've heard is like when a baby is born, a mother is born too. And that's basically like what I want to get across here. Like you're raising a baby, but you're also in a completely different phase. And I haven't experienced that yet, but I'm kind of starting to feel like that transition kind of starting to creep up as it gets closer and closer. And it's making me just like really stop and think, you know, who am I as an adult? Who will I be as a mom? Like, what are my kids going to see? Cause like, they're going to be like young and have like undeveloped brains, but like, you know, are they going to feel peace? Even, even if there is, you know, a hard event that comes up in life versus like this, like utter chaos and, you know, that whole thing. Um, yeah, I'll stop there. And <laughs> that was really beautiful. I've never heard that when a, when a baby is born, a mother is born too. That's just like almost drink, almost brings a tear to your eye. That's so sweet. That's kind of how I feel with my dogs. I know <laughs> we spoke about this. I, I feel like a mom to my dogs. Like I'm like a fierce mama bear with those boys. And I literally told Courtney the other, the other day, I was like, I feel like I gave birth to my dogs. <laughs> just feel that way sometimes okay (laughs) so I could definitely relate to just like what are my kids gonna see like how am I how am I gonna raise them like I already have like parenting books and I've had conversations like with Corey and Fallon about like gentle parenting and I had another episode on it too and the whole thing just really gets me because I mean I've talked about this before but the whole reason why I got into this space is because I really started to connect the dots for myself. Like why that, that was the question I always had is like, why am I so sick? Like why? Mm-hmm. And then I just really started to like go back into my adolescence, my young adulthood and like all the things that I've been through. I'm like, okay, why did I experience all those things? And then going back to my childhood and like my parents. And again, this is not to blame anyone. It's just really, like you said, observation. I love that so much. Um, and I do a lot of it. Uh, and I, I like to think it's still healthy, um, <laughs> but it, it's really, um, yeah, connect the dots for me and like knowing that all of this really goes back to birth and and earlier than that too, like this preconception phase. And I think you really can't start like early enough. Um, And hopefully it's not even like called a preconception phase anymore because like hopefully we're just living and breathing and eating in a way that is really supportive Mm -hmm. to our bodies and future generations to come. Because I think 
a lot of people are, are missing the mark on that. Like the habits and choices that you have today and the, and the behaviors and the patterns that you have today don't just end with you. Like they continue onward and onward um, to your babies and their babies. I heard something really fascinating. Um, not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Cleopatra. She's like a fertility doctor. I don't know if you've heard of her. Okay, so she had a podcast episode with um, Angie Lee, and I was listening to it the other day. And the fertility of our children is really determined by our own fertility, not only moms, but dads too. And I just thought that was really powerful because we, again, going back to what I just said, the nutrition choices that we make, the the lifestyle choices that we make, the behaviors that we engage in um, don't end with us. So I kind of wanted to talk about that and like childhood and your inner, your inner baby, as you called it earlier. I was like, oh my God, that is so sweet. Um, how do you think that's played a role in just like your, your overall health? And I mean, going back to what we talked about earlier, like that anxious attachment style, like why is this so important to, I know you're healing it and aware of it. Um, I don't, do you think we'll ever get to a place where it's like a hundred percent healed? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> Even just hearing that I'm like, you know, just like being a human, like living this life, like it, I feel like there just has to be a part of you that can look at wounds and look at things that might not be ideal and still be willing to call it all beautiful. I literally think that's one of the keys because if you are stuck in a state of hyper, you know, being hypercritical or like even like overanalyzing it, like, yes, it is possible to overanalyze your childhood where you're like, I was like yelled at this one time and oh, that's why I'm like mean to other people. Like, okay, well, like maybe that actually is like an adult part of you. Like, let's try to not go too far, but also it's really not good to not, not go back to that. Um, I know that not everyone necessarily feels that like connection with like who they were as a kid. I do personally. Um, and what I have found is that as people start to heal, they start to feel it too. So I think it's possible to have that like very, very repressed in terms in terms of how much you can heal, I think that you can heal a ton. I currently now, I would not even like classify myself as a person who has an anxious attachment style. Um, I feel, I feel like I, I've reached a place of having a lot of healing, a lot of groundedness, you know, obviously I'm always aware, but it's kind of like what you mentioned a little earlier on, like even even when you notice things that you do that you say, having grace and compassion towards that is everything too. And kind of in light of the healing of the body, like when I work with clients, a lot of my clients get anxious when, you know, even if a million positive things have happened, like my eczema is gone, like my IBS is gone, like I have a period after five years, you know, all these incredible things. They're like, but, but, but this one little, like this one little <laughs> thing happened and I'm so frustrated. And first of all, I have compassion on that because I know they're coming from a place of learning what it means to observe and be very, very grateful for the healing and not grateful 
towards me. Of course I can help people, but ultimately like they put in the hard work. And so I want them to always have gratitude for themselves and their bodies and then have grace towards these little things that are either on their way out or they're just going to pop up. It's really easy when you've really struggled in your health to become hypervigilant about like a sneeze, a cough, a headache. And it's like, hey, everyone is going to have these things that happen in our bodies. Like life is not perfect. Your body isn't either. But I understand why they're like viewing these small things as like being kind of like, you know, like a little concerning, like a little scary. Um, But yeah. Having, having like the wisdom to know like, what is a concern? What does my mindset need to be? And kind of what you mentioned earlier, this might be a little off topic, but like, I always ask clients like internally, like, what are you thinking about your body? What are you saying? Like, are, are you viewing your body as the enemy? And a lot of times all clients will be like, yeah, a lot of times I'm like, I hate my body. My body hates me. And I'm like, no, you know. I'm not going to criticize you because you feel that way or that's what your mental state is currently like. But if you want to get to a place of actually being able to implement the actions to get to where you want to be in your health and also have like that message that like literally goes through to your body, helps your body heal on that energetic level, you're going to have to really do a lot of work with, um, your mindset and your relationship with your body, with yourself. Um, and I will say like, there are a lot of helpful tools you can use, like for anyone listening, like, um, I love EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique, rapid transformational therapy. That's an intense one, but very, very good. EMDR, it's usually covered in the US with a lot of health insurance, which is really great. And that helps it be more accessible for people. Usually it's just a copay, but that's um, EMDR. That's really great for trauma. I feel like these modalities are just a lot better than talk therapy because a lot of times you can talk about trauma, you can talk about pain, um, but it can it can actually make it worse in some instances. So I feel like it's important to actually clear things out of your body and have a more like integrative approach, even with mental health versus just like talking about it and like maybe using medication or something. Not that there's not like a time and a place for that, but more so like actually like really getting in like into your mind and like really doing the work. So yeah. Mm Oh man, that, that was so much. And I love it. I love it because you just kind of reminded everyone that yes, your clients obviously experience great wins. And I see the same in my practice too, where they're just like, oh no, but this is still here. Or this is, this is new kind of thing. Or like what happened here? What food was it? And they just start to like go down this rabbit hole. And I I remember being there. I remember being there. And I just remember like putting myself into the state of like fight or flight. Like what was it? And like, how can I never feel this way again? And I think truth be told, like, I think symptoms don't always have to indicate. I heard this from um, a chiropractor of mine, actually. He was like, um, symptoms don't always have to signify illness or disease. Um, they can just simply be messengers from the body. And I'm so sorry. You might hear my dogs. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> my dogs are like, I hide away in my office, but they just like their, their barks travel. Um, but they can just be little messengers, little whispers like, Hey, 
you're moving too fast. Hey, you have too much on your plate. Like I notice that so much, like whether it's like poor sleep, like let's say like you get a bad night's of sleep and then you're like, oh no, was it the bedtime snack? Or, oh no, I didn't eat enough. I didn't have enough carbs today. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it could be like a simple message like that. Like you didn't eat enough. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the message. I don't need, you know, I, I know what to do with it now. Thank you. Like a little lifestyle nutrition audit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to mean like the end of the world, but I a hundred percent like can, can validate those feelings that anyone might have like, yeah. Oh no, like that impending doom. Um, and I also think that could be a trauma response, um, because of like the, the medical system and maybe like not trusting our bodies. Um, and again, this doesn't have to be everyone's case, but, um, kind of just thinking like worst case scenario, like what is it? Um, but yeah, I think it's just a, a gentle pause and maybe using those modalities. Like I know EFT can be really powerful for like, if you're trying a new food or you've had a bad reaction to it in the past, um, but taking a gentle pause and maybe implementing one of those techniques and just moving forward. I think that's like the takeaway message is to continue moving forward. Um, so I love that you said that. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that you just mentioned and kind of to go off of that, I know that I've personally reached, reached a place in my health where, okay, so my my chronic former struggle, I used to have migraines all the time. If anyone has migraines, there's a good chance that they will most likely have another one or a few more in their lifetime, even if they overcome a lot of things and they do a lot of healing. A lot of times it really is like a neurological trigger, like a smell, cortisol, you know, and it just might happen if you're under a lot of stress. And so one thing I like to even remind my clients of, or even just others in my life who might be struggling with their health is I used to have chronic migraines almost every day. Now I might have a pretty mild one, like twice a year. I will take that. I'm okay if I have another migraine. I'm going to have more migraines in my life. And just the fact that I'm like putting this message out there of like, it's okay. I feel like that in and of itself is powerful. And so that might help others who are struggling in their health because it's really easy to reject yourself if you're not okay with any health struggles you're having. But looking Mm -hmm. at those not being, not being scared of them and calling it okay. That's kind of what I was referencing as well with like life in general and like your own emotional healing in general. Like the power that you have when you're in the place of being like, it's okay. I think that 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 actually creates a lot of groundedness. And it also is a message to your whole entire body that like, this can happen and I can still be safe, which relates back to the nervous system, kind of like you um, already referenced. Yeah. A second yeah. Ago. Oh my God. It, it puts the message into your, to your body that you are resilient and you're not broken. And yeah. by, by acknowledging that you do have migraines and you are okay with getting another one just really sees it. it it's like seeing yourself and like you, like you just said, like not rejecting yourself. And mm-hmm. I remember when I, cause I'm my, big symptom, if you don't know, um, like gut issues, like everything, all my emotions were just like stirred up in the gut. And 
um, that manifested as IBS. And so, and we all know that IBS is kind of just a, a big label for a lot of symptoms. Um, and I was handed prescription medications, even antidepressants, um, to kind of slow everything down, um, and calm everything down, I guess. Um, but I, I know there was a lot, a lot of stress in my life. So whenever a gut issue comes about, I mean, I have been into this journey for, my gosh, it'll be almost six years. Um, but they're so much better. Like my gut issues are so much better than they were six years ago. I mean, I used to walk around looking like a balloon. I would like pull my shirt up and tell everyone like, look how pregnant I look today. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was so constipated um, and gassy and just like now if if something like maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I get like a little extra gassy one day. I'm like, I look at my life and know that stress plays a really, really big role in everything. And I think as entrepreneurs, I don't know if you can relate, but um, there's a lot, there's a lot on our plates <laughs> and having the knowledge that we do like about our bodies, physiology, and like the, the stress component and all the things it's kind of like, you're aware of it. And you know, that this is um, maybe not like as supportive and like, I don't know, there's just a whole like learning process through all of it. Um, so it's very interesting, but <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. My dogs are like, they're so, they're so loud. I'm sorry guys. Um, okay. So moving on, do you think that physical healing requires a spiritual component to it? If, if an individual doesn't need to work on their emotional health, and they are able to find relief through nutrition completely. Usually they don't have a traumatic background or they haven't had a traumatic childhood. That's what I've observed. I feel, I feel like individually with my own experience, that kind of makes me a little biased where I can't really view it as being like two completely different things just because I believe that even even with the emotional state I was in, that was having a direct impact on even migraines. And even like what I would internalize, like, oh, my mom has migraines. I have migraines. That makes a lot of sense. I get migraines around this time of the month. I get migraines if I have MSG. I get migraines if I have caffeine. It was like I was constantly like speaking to myself. And I really, really did used to have a lot of fear around food, a lot of fear around my body. I I have one friend in college who literally in one moment changed the way I view so much. I was talking to her about my anxiety with health and with these other things. And I was like, kind of being, you know, like a little hyper with my energy, like, oh, like I'm anxious about this, anxious about that. Cause that's kind of like what I can lean towards. And she literally looked at me, was so calm, <laughs> so calm, and was like, Courtney that's not your inheritance. Like, that's not what you get. As in like, that's not what like life has for me. Like, that's not what God has for me. And in that moment, I was like, wow. Okay. Okay. So like, what I've been told is like mine or what I've been told I'm going to have, like all of these very much like 
oh, just like words from like family and from like those on the outside. They had their own issues. They would make comments about my health. Like, you know, it really, really was mine for so long. I was carrying it carrying it around as mine um, until until I realized, you know, that's not what I get and I'm the one who has a choice. So yeah, I think that most people are going to need to be aware of that. Um, and it might take them a while to have that awareness, but our emotions have a profound impact on our bodies. And yes, what we eat plays a huge role, but it's actually one thing. Okay. So the way I kind of view it and not everyone will probably understand what I mean by this or really like um, more so apply knowledge in the way that I do, which is fine. But mm-hmm. I kind of like to view it as with energy and with or not not with energy, but like with food and with healing. Like, you know, we know there's a lot of great stuff like vitamin A, like retinol from liver, like vitamin E, like C, like whole food vitamin C, like all these things, it's almost like they have an energy that works towards healing the body, but then also like your emotional state does too. And so you really need to have them both. Um, but also you have to have in mind like how how much your health issues have been caused by like, you know, like nutrient deficiencies and things like that and like exposure to harmful things like glyphosate and tap water, stuff like that versus like emotional trauma. Like health, health is a little bit more abstract than what most people realize. Like a lot of people who are very black and white kind of have a hard time when it comes to viewing this whole like health journey and how you got here. And they always want to know why. And my thing is like, I don't really always have to know why. I just need to know that I need to heal and I need the steps to do so. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you relate to that at all. Like, I don't know how you are with like logic versus like feeling and things like that. But I know that in my mind, I always want to help others not overcomplicate it because then you kind of step into a role of being very, like, very, very calculated. And that's not really the best way to view it. Does that make Mm. sense? Mm, yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I think we need less of that because especially I speak for myself as someone who had like type A tendencies and they can still kind of like creep up on me. Um, I could, I could get very calculated, <laughs> you know, like if I do this and I do that, then that equals this. And then, <laughs> you know, everything's solved. Um, but you're right. I love that you said that it's not, it's not black and white. It's so multifaceted. I don't think it's, it's just the spiritual energetics. I think it's not just, um, the physical components and like EMFs and like birth control. It's like, it's everything. That's why we have the stress bucket. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I'm so grateful for like the space that we're in, like having practitioners like you and then having like other coaches in the space where they focus a lot on, the emotional aspect of things. And I think when you integrate both of them, I think that's just, I don't know. And in everyone's own timeline too, right? Like maybe Mm -hmm. someone who um, really can't get started on a physical protocol because they have a lot going on in their minds. And maybe they did have like a traumatic upbringing and stuff. Like maybe they start off with the emotional aspect of things and maybe that'll allow them to like follow XYZ nutrition protocol and like, you know, let that lead them. Um, 
But for me, it looked quite the opposite. And I didn't really make the connection that the emotional health and like what I was saying to myself and like all the things that I had been through um, really did matter. So when I kind of let go of the physical a little bit, you know, still fed myself well, still took what I thought were good supplements um, <laughs> and then brought into the equation, you know, like, like teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Dr. Joe Dispenza and like, you know, that just led me down a rabbit hole of information. But I just began to cultivate this relationship with myself because for so long I had not loved myself and I didn't even know it, but I was over here like pouring so much love that I didn't have onto other people because I wanted to so badly be loved in return. And so like, uh, I mean, I could go on and on with like my journey, but it really was this, this emotion for me, at least like there was this, a huge emotional component that I was missing for my healing journey. Um, and some women might not be aware of it yet. That's why I said like everyone's own timeline is, is their own timeline. And I think it's important to not compare yourself to anyone else's journey, because I think that's, that's what makes it so sacred and so beautiful that it's, it's your own truly. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So how did you begin to cultivate trust within your body? Like, especially, you know, I mean, I know you mentioned like getting on armor thyroid and things like that. And I think I heard you on Katie's podcast, the win at life podcast, where, um, oh my gosh, I lost a thought. <laughs> I lost a thought. <laughs> Do you hate that? Like when you had a thought and it just like vanishes. Um, but you, <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna say like, you, oh, you were working with like another functional or like a naturopath, I think, naturopathic doctor. Yeah. And yeah, so like you tried some things, they didn't work. So how did you like rein it back in and like just trust yourself and like healing yourself? Yeah, well, my my outlook on life tends to be pretty positive. I will say I do lean more towards being an optimist. Um which maybe a part of that is that I I don't I don't really want to experience pain, but I've learned through this process kind of like what I referenced with like being able to look at the whole picture, even if it's not perfect, even if there's a little bit of pain, even if you have wounds or whatever, and still being able to call it beautiful. I would not have always said that because I always used to think that it had to be like great cleaned up, like wrapped with a bow or else you might as well just like throw it all away. Um, but I think that even though it wasn't always the healthiest coping mechanism, you know, just being like, well, like, even if I get like a flat tire, maybe it's because I was like meant to like run into this person and meet them. And it led to that, you know, honestly, like a helpless, like optimist or whatever. I don't even like know if that's like a thing. It's probably not. It's probably just me. But regardless, even though that kind of was like an unhealthy thing at times. It ultimately helped me, which I'm so thankful for because it helped me just be like, Hey, like what's next? What do I do? And I hopped into research right away. Like, Oh my goodness. Um, my life was changed when I came across, um, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez. Have you heard of him? Is that Dr. G on Instagram or no? He's no, he, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago. He he was an MD 
um, who was healing like stage four pancreatic cancer patients through like enzymatic therapy, coffee enemas, absolutely incredible doctor. Um, yeah, that's like a whole other thing there as well. But I was so inspired. I was so blown away. My hope and my outlook for healing with the human body, that literally just like caused me to have this ingrained mindset of our bodies can heal. It's possible. I don't care what people say. They don't understand. I know that my body can heal if this can happen. And so I just went on a path of researching, trying new things. And really at that point, I never worked with anyone again. It was just me helping myself, which I feel like that's like why I ended up being a practitioner, you know, like it actually makes a lot of sense. I was able to help myself. And in a way, I feel like it's actually really beautiful when practitioners are the ones who are helping themselves. Like as far as I know, like you helped yourself a lot. Is that right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience to what you had. I, I sought out a functional medicine, uh, practitioner and it just, um, there was a lot of, it, it kind of felt like Western medicine, but with a different mask, a different face, um, you know, low iron, here's an iron supplement. Doesn't work. Okay. Let's try a different form of iron, uh, vitamin D, you know, all the things. And I ended up feeling a lot more bloated. And, you know, the general recommendation was for me to down like eight servings of cruciferous vegetables when I was already so bloated and had IBS, um, issues. So yeah, I think I that kind of springboard me though. Is that a word? Spring, springboarded me? Springboard me? I don't know. <laughs> the, the <laughs> there. But um, that led me to really, I was like, okay, I'm fascinated. I'm intrigued. I may not be feeling 100% better, but I think that's also why I invested in the NTA because I was like, I want to learn more. I want to be able to support myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. So yeah, very similar journey to yours for sure. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I really, really do because it's almost like if you haven't gone through the process of healing yourself in a way, it's, well, no, let me reverse that because you can totally be a great practitioner without your own like previous health struggles. But I feel like I more and more I'm finding the value in helping those who are currently struggling by having my story in mind because, you know, having been in the place of like entrusting my health to another person, I didn't really get what I needed, which ended up being just fine for me. But the way I view it is like, it really, really is an honor to walk with women through their health struggles. It's an honor when, you know, they reach out to you. I know that others reach out to you. Others reach out to me. And it's like, for whatever reason, they just, you know, came across you on Instagram or me on Instagram. And they were like, you're the one for me. Like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like a lot <laughs> A lot of times you just might be drawn towards the people who end up being able to help you a ton. So even with that process, like I really, really trust that process. Like I really trust that those who reach out to me, they're the ones that can have the most help because of me, not, not because I'm like the smartest person in the world, but because it's just aligning that way. And I feel like really trusting that process too, even with like running a business, like I feel like it's a very different way to view it. It's not like 
how do I get leads or how do I get clients? It's more so like, hey, like I'm here to help if you need it. And here's my story. Here's what I do. And I feel like even bringing that into business, it, it really isn't the most common path. But I feel like I've like observed you even like in your stories just on Instagram. I feel like you just have that trust as well. And I feel like it is really cool. So I just wanted, I just wanted to mention that, but yeah, I feel like everyone has their person. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Well, I I feel that is kind of a part of the whole, like, I trust myself and I trust who is for me is going to be for me. And that's really, really hard to say as someone who's had an, an anxious attachment style. Because I remember when I first entered the space, like I went the whole, like, I, I, I very much did not feel that way. I was like, I got to prove myself. I got to follow up with my leads and I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to interact with them. And it was like, it was very tiring and it wasn't from my, like my heart and it wasn't, it didn't feel right anyway, but I was like, these are the rules. So <laughs> I got to do it. Um, but energetically it didn't feel aligned. And when I stopped doing that, Finally, like the people who were for me showed up and I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And all because I, I just trusted, I trusted that everything was going to fall into place. Um, I think that can apply to someone's healing journey too. Like just, there's this beauty in like surrendering and letting go really liberating. And like I said, that's kind of when everything like started to unfold for me, like physically, I started to notice my blow just going away. And I was just like, just be, can you just stop? overthinking and overanalyzing everything. Like sometimes things just are the way they are. And can you, can we just enjoy that present moment? Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's so cliche to say, say, like be present, stay present. Like I'm not trying to, um, you know, be like all spiritual bypassy and whatnot, but there is a certain stillness of the heart that I think is required or like just helpful in someone's healing journey. Um, especially when they're dealing with chronic symptoms that are no fun. Um, sometimes I just would look down at my bloated belly and be like, I see you and I accept you and I love you. And I, I like would hold my belly and I would like dance with myself in the shower. They just like slow dance, like side to side. I'd be like, I love you. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds so crazy, but, um, it really, really. That is. Yeah. That's like loving yourself. That's like being able being able to view your body not as your identity, but just something mm. that you're just borrowing, you know, life really isn't that long. Like, it's just your body. Like, you know, you know, you know, like, and yes, it's very valuable, but it's also really hard as women too, you know, because like our bodies have been linked to our identity, which yes, it can happen with men as well. It can happen with everyone. And It really is just a lack of understanding, a lack of awareness, you know, but what you just said, that really, really is beautiful. Like if, if more women could do that, oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry just thinking about it. Like that is healing yourself. That is loving yourself. That's looking at yourself and being like, it's okay. Like no one ever, well, maybe people told you it'd be perfect, which is like a whole whole other thing, but like. You don't actually have to be like, it's, oh, it's okay to be struggling. It's okay to be in a place that you maybe don't really want to be long-term, but gosh, I love that. I love that so much. That was, yeah, really beautiful. 
Oh, thank you. I think it's a part of it, right? Like healing is not like, <laughs> actually, where did I hear this? Uh, Jay Shetty. Do you know Jay Shetty? I love Jay Shetty. Mm-hmm. Wow. He has the the number one podcast on Apple iTunes, I believe. Oh my goodness. Podcast. And he started sharing his story about like, you know, when I started meditating, it's not this like, you know, you look all pretty in your yoga pants and you're staring at the sunset. You know, when you start meditating, it's like all these shadow aspects of yourself mm-hmm. can kind of start to come up and it's this healing journey is not pretty. So I think me holding myself, I mean, yes, that's a beautiful uh, image, um, <laughs> me holding my belly and just like rocking myself and kind of just like loving myself, reparenting myself and saying, it's okay. And you know what, now that I think about this, I don't think I've told like anyone to do that. I don't think I've even shared that. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast episode and feel called to turn on the shower and put some loving music on and just hold whatever, like whatever it is, if it's just yourself for me, it was my belly cause it was bloated. Um, but it was just very, very loving. And like, that's really cathartic. Cause I, I did start crying in the shower and it's just like, it's very like therapeutic. It's a very nice release. Um, but I healing, it doesn't have to be this, this perfect straight line, this thing. Like, I think when we start to accept that it's okay for it to be messy, it's okay for it to look all over the place. Um, with, I think some guidance, you know, whether that's hiring a practitioner or getting the education that you want. So, you're not like trying all the things and not trusting like just one thing. Um, You know, I think, yeah, healing can look very different for a lot of people, but yeah, it doesn't have to be this straight line. I don't think it is ever the straight line, whether it's emotional healing or physical healing. Um, That's life. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And like, one thing that I've kind of been asking myself when I've been having these things pop up in my mind, like, oh, I need to feel this way. I need to do this. I need to do that. I've also kind of been asking myself, like, who told me that? Like, am I wanting to hold on to that? Or am I needing to, like, replace that or upgrade that or change the way I view X, Y, or Z situation? And also, like, another thing I kind of want to mention is in light of prepping for pregnancy, I think a lot of women they become aware of this. And I really want to speak to this because I've actually observed it firsthand. They become aware of, okay, I need to prep. Then it easily starts to turn into like, my health has to be perfect before I conceive. And I think that that is the one thing that needs to be avoided. You know, you could wait years and years and just always be working on your health. And you and I, we we had the opportunity to heal like for years and years, like prior to even being in a place of like preconception. But for those who maybe, um, maybe they're like 29 and they're like, I really want to have a baby. Like, you know, a year of work, probably working with a practitioner if you're able to get like another year in, then great. But you don't have to be in a perfect place to have a baby either. Um, you know, yes. just doing what you can and really trying to put in that amount of work and then trusting your body. Like your body was made for this. Even if your health isn't in a perfect place, it was still made for this. And our bodies were also made to be okay with imperfections and like little things that are off. Like our bodies really, really are on our side and they're made for us and made to serve us. And 
I think that even bringing that, you know, all the way through pregnancy and through like having a baby, I know for sure that's one thing I'm going to really implement, especially when it comes to actually like giving birth one day, it will be like, I trust my body. My body was made for this. My body knows what it's doing when like we've literally been told the opposite by so many sources. Like, no, like you need an intervention. You need to stay on your back. You can't you know, eat like before you have a baby, if you start to go into labor and it's like, well, like, why did they really tell you that? Is there, is, is that just because they're like trying to prep you for a possible surgery at the same time? Like why have we been told all these things and what are we going to choose to do? Because ultimately like everyone can have their opinions, but you're the only one living your life in your body and you ultimately will be the one who is most impacted by things that happen to you. And so I think that's another thing that women need to realize, especially because they're kind of content to be this very like, how can I help you? Like, what can I do? Like, oh, you're not happy? Like, what did I do that's wrong? I think that it's really easy. I know that I've been in that place. That's why I mentioned that. It's so easy. It's so easy. And, you know, you can still be very kind and very strong and womanly, but have great boundaries and know when that's your stuff and when that's another person's stuff. And I think that's like a continual process of learning. But I think that even that is like a great thing to have in mind when you're prepping for pregnancy. It's like, what are my boundaries? You know, stuff like that. I think that would just be really good for people. Oh my God. I think that was. I was just going to ask you, I was like, what would you say to someone who's like in the phase that we're in? And also love that you stated that you don't have to be in this perfect state of health. I think there's a statistic that I heard is like only is either 8% or 12% of the United States population is in quote unquote optimal health. And I don't even know like what that means, but I think it's, I don't know if perfection is ever like the goal. It's just like being better each and every day and accepting that life isn't perfect. Your body is, you know, going to go through things. And I think the sooner we accept that, the, 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 the more peace we can have in our lives. But I was just going to ask you like what you would say to the woman who's in the phase of life that we're in. Um, but you kind of just answer that with your whole boundary situation, which is hard, which is really hard. And that's kind of like where I am um, with setting boundaries, especially as someone who has like people pleasing tendencies um, in order to receive love kind of thing. Um, But I think I've learned actually, I don't know if everyone has heard this too, but people pleasing can actually be a, I hate to say it, but like a selfish tendency where it's like you're trying to avoid conflict in a situation. So just like keeping the peace, even though, you know, you feel some sort of way, but you're not making it known. And then I truly believe later on, like that's going to manifest into this big thing. So why not just like squash it right there in a loving way? It's a loving gesture. So that's, that's definitely something that I'm working on for sure. Yeah. And actually, now that you mentioned that, because I relate to that too, it can easily turn into resentment. And the other person involved doesn't understand, like, why are you getting mad? Like, I thought that you always liked to clean the entire, like, house on your own. Like, like, I thought you lived for this. Like, no, no, like, 
no, like I'm not okay with it. Like I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. Like it can easily, you know, you can just flip one day and that can really hurt a relationship. Like really, really like I haven't like experienced it to that extent, but even just through like observation and like knowing just the possibility there, like, yeah, you're exactly right. Like it, it, it can feel uncomfortable. It can feel really uncomfortable to mention something like, Hey, like that really wasn't like, okay with me that you did that or you said that like it's totally possible to make that clear in love it can be really hard really really hard but um the more that I kind of like put myself out there and I start to do that the more I realize that others actually appreciate that and I appreciate when others do that with me because I never I never want to like violate anyone's boundaries like I always really appreciate clarity because then like once I know like I'm not going to do it but like, you don't know what you don't know. So exactly. That brings me to, um, another thing that Jay Shetty had mentioned. <laughs> Highly recommend this podcast. I'll be listening now. <laughs> um, having regular conversations with his partner, or maybe it's not a partner for you. Maybe it's like a friend, like, um, or maybe a relationship with your, your mom or your dad or grandmother. Cause I don't know anyone, but in this context, he was talking about a relationship with his partner and how he does regular check-ins. Like, are you happy with the way the trajectory, like our relationship is heading in? Um, no. Okay. Let's talk about it. Like kind of just creating that safe space, like for open lines of communication. And I think that there's so much of that lacking in today's world, because again, going to what we were saying, like we're afraid to really speak up. And I think, um, something that I was talking about with one of my friends, she had a, an inability to speak up for herself when she was younger. And there was a lot of just like stuck emotion. She also like used to repress her, um, her tears, suppress them and just like shove them down. And then she started to develop like thyroid issues. So that like inability to like release and let go. And she also had trauma in her womb space. So she, um, that manifested as PCOS for her. So it's really interesting, like just connecting. Yeah. I don't think that has to happen all the time, yeah. um, but it was just really interesting in her case that the emotions that she was feeling in certain parts of her body then manifested as disease or illness. And I think it, it can manifest differently for everyone. Like some women might experience more pain with their cycles or stuff going on with their cycles. Whereas like for me, it was, it was mostly gut issues and like a lot of my emotions resided in my gut, like that, their home. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think having like regular conversations with people in your life so that you're not bottling up emotions that could eventually like, make you sick is, is definitely, I think we should do more of that. Just have regular open lines of communication for sure. Yeah. And like also on that point, like if, if you are a woman who wants to have a baby and you have a partner, I feel like, you know, really working on that relationship prior to conceiving is also going to be a part of preconception prep. Like my husband and I, even though like a part of me is like still trying to get over like the stigma of like going to marriage counseling, I'm like, nothing's wrong. We're just literally trying to be two individuals who know how to communicate better because we're different. Like it's not a big deal. It's actually really healthy. But a part of me is even like having to kind of like work past that. Like, well, like 
wonderful thing about that. Like it literally doesn't matter, first of all. And I'm just like, hey, you know, that's actually really, really healthy. Like a lot of people who have like criticism or critique towards like counseling or therapy, they're usually the ones who could actually really, 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 really benefit from it. That's what I have noticed at least. Um, but I feel like trying to, you know, have have the healthiest relationship as possible, which a lot of times kind of like what you said, like it involves the check-ins. It involves like, you know, like how, how y'all communicate, how you guys are like interpreting one another, how, how you are going to overcome conflict. Cause once a baby becomes like <laughs> a lot, there's a lot more going on. So, um, I know that one thing that I've really been trying to incorporate recently is like radical honesty, which is hard for a person who, not that I would have called myself like an extreme people pleaser. I was never, I was never really like that way, like in academics, I was kind of like, whatever, like, if you don't like this, then like, I'm not going to change. Like I was like a little bit more of like an individual, if that makes sense. But like in relationships where like, I just really didn't want to like experience like discomfort. Yeah, of course I embodied a little bit of that. Um, and so radical honesty has been huge because when you're honest too, it leads to answers and it leads to a solution. So like, even just in like a personal note, a personal note, like, especially because I work with people all day and I hear about their pain and their like struggles, especially when we like start working together, you know, and they're like laying it all out, which like, I, I love that part. But of course, in like my personal life, it can be just like a slight bit more difficult to give my full emotional capacity to hearing about like the struggles that those I love might be experiencing First of all, because I can be kind of overwhelmed at the end of the day, but also because I've realized with myself, I can be a little bit uncomfortable with others' pain if I love them. And so realizing that, wait, they're not really trying to have me fix something. I mean, of course, maybe I can help, but I've realized, wow, I'm not always comfortable with your pain. And like, I love you and I'm sorry that I haven't always been able to hold space for that. But I want to let you know, I'm working on that. And I'm really looking forward to actually being able to like completely embrace every part of you without making it about myself. Cause that's ultimately what a healthy relationship is. It's like not having to like, you're making me uncomfortable. Like when I view my future, you know, who, who I will be as a mom, I never want to say, oh, like, you're making me sad, like, to my kid if they're telling me, like, that they've had a bad day, like, which, like, yeah, I, like, experienced that when I was growing up, like, I'll just be really honest about that, like, it was always, like, my emotions led to an adult who had, like, a more mature mind, you know, like, I literally heard in response to, like, my my emotions a lot of times like, oh, like that makes me feel like X, Y, or Z. And I feel like that's just really harmful for people to experience that because it's like you have to hold space for others when you're in a position of either being like in a relationship, like parent and child, like working together. Yeah. I'm kind of just like rambling now, but yeah, radical honesty and really just being upfront with like, here's what's going on. And 
even like walking through it and like kind of talking through like, so like I've noticed this about myself. It maybe isn't ideal, but I'm going to work on it. And yeah, we're in this together basically. So I love that so much. Like that, everything that you said, like that was a beautiful like script for anyone to kind of like just take in and adjust it to their own and what feels good for them. But that was like a really good like template for people to kind of take in and just, yeah, see if it works for them. I know that was, that was really beautiful. I think when we, um, when we name, when we call our, it's not calling ourselves out, but it's like calling ourselves in Mm. to quote unquote, like do the work alongside of your partner, understanding that you guys are on the same team and want the same outcome. Um, but it is, you know, relationships aren't like the easiest thing in the world. Like you're having to coexist with someone in the same house and like living the same lives, um, or maybe not the same lives, but like living a new life together. Um, but still having your own separate lives at the same time. Um, that's like, that can be a lot for some people, especially if we have our own wounds that maybe need a little tending to. Um, so I love that you, you said that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. I mean, like relationships, they're, they're a reflection and they are huge, huge teachers. Yeah. Like, yes. and patterns are going to continue. They literally will not go away until you address them and it's going to be in every area of your life and so like if like out of love I will say you know if if you're listening and you haven't quite identified like what your patterns might be that lead to conflict within a close relationship it might be a good idea to try to figure that out prior to having kids because I know that's one thing that's come up for me like you know triggers can kind of be small But as long as there's awareness, like as long as there's awareness and you know kind of what you lean towards, um, you can reframe things. And it's really not an intensive process. It's more so just bringing awareness, just how like a lot of people when they're breathing, they don't breathe very deeply. And that's one thing that I used to struggle with, especially. And like, I still can every now and then. I know that you and I like kind of talked about this on your stories, but even with that, like just bring awareness and you'll realize it feels so much better. Things are smoother. You're actually now doing what you needed to do all along. And it's okay that you didn't know, like, it's okay. Like now that you know, you can do better. So I think that that's really what others might need to hear even when it comes to that. Like, it's not this like crazy, huge project. It can just be a few conversations Maybe it could help if you like write a few things out. Awareness is everything. And it's really not that energy intensive most of the times. Oh, I agree. Once you're aware of it, I think it's very liberating. Like, ah, oh, that's what it is. And I think awareness is, is the majority of the battle because like you said, some people might not be aware of these things, but once you are, I think it it can be super magical and also understanding that it's not gonna all be fixed in one night. And I think that's just really the beginning of a journey. Um, 
And who knows what that leads to? So it's a really exciting journey to be on also, because I think that's a part of like, I don't know, I just feel like I get really excited talking about this stuff because for me, like when I started learning all that, like I, I've just expanded my career even more and it's, it's given me more purpose. I've felt more fulfilled and like all those loving feelings that we all want to feel as humans. Um, so who, I think it's a very exciting journey to be on. It doesn't have to be or feel overwhelming or sad, like a burden or anything. Um, like when is this going to be over? When will I arrive kind of thing? Um, like Courtney said earlier, like you don't have to be in this perfect place prior to conceiving. Um, but it's just the awareness and you're going to overcome like new challenges, um, as you become a mother or if there are any dads listening to this or men who are, um, trying, you know, on the same journey as their significant others, then yeah, it can, it can happen for all of us. So really exciting journey to be on. And we've been talking for a really long time and I've loved this conversation so much. (laughs) I know it's been, it's been a little while. If you're still listening, you're the best, but I understand. (laughs) You might have to like pause it and then come back for some people. That's what I usually do with podcasts. I'll just like pause it then I'll come back and I'll pause. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is no. This has been like the longest podcast episode that I've had on the show so far. So it was a juicy one. It was a good one. So like Courtney said, <laughs> you're awesome if you you stayed this long. Come back to it. Um, well, we've covered a lot, and I think if there's anything to, uh, yeah, what would be your number one takeaway from this podcast episode, Courtney? Oh my goodness, I think. Oh wow. Um, at the end of it all, you know. The best starting place really is just like having having compassion on yourself, actually. Because if you start any process trying trying to change things, it's really easy to be a critic towards yourself. And that's not what you're here for. Of course, it's okay to um, analyze and like know what is good, know what's not good or like not ideal. But you have to be your own friend in this process. And I think that it's also important to hear that you can take your time because it can get really overwhelming. We all have our own path and it can be really long for some people. I would say I've kind of been more along the lines of having like a longer healing journey. But then I realized like I'm progressively healing more and more and I'm not like going towards a state of perfection. I'm just more so learning more about myself, like uncovering and trying, trying just to get rid of stuff that can hold me down just to make space for others that I love and realizing that human connection and really loving others, loving my family, even loving my dog. You know, I know that you mentioned your dogs. Like once, once you are able to not be weighed down by your own pain, life becomes so much more beautiful. And so if you need, if you need any hope to keep on going, trust that even though it's not the easiest path, you really have one of two options. Put in the work and it might be painful and uncomfortable or live with your unhealthy patterns for the rest of your life and risk hurting others you love without even knowing that you're hurting them. I think that that is like an all-encompassing statement right there. Like, yeah, 
you have to do the work or you might accidentally hurt those who are really precious to you. And you might be, you know, they might even like tell you you're hurting them, but like you might look at them and say, I haven't done anything wrong. Like that can happen really easily with, you know, a lot of people and um, even even others in my own life that I might not be like close to necessarily. Like I, I've observed even through relationships they've had where like, there might be multiple people that they have hurt, but they're over here like, I haven't done anything wrong. You all are against me. I view that with a really compassionate perspective, understanding like the odds of all these individuals having an issue with you are like, that's a lot lower than you actually just being a hurting, unhealed person who has actually hurt multiple individuals in your life that you actually care about. You just don't really know how to like, actually do that in a healthy way. So I know I'm kind of rambling again, but like you have one of two options. Like you literally have to choose, like you have to do the work or you don't have to, but the consequences are a lot higher. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. I know that's a little heavy. That's a little much, but like, yeah. Really powerful. I'm so glad that you said that. And I, I'm sure you feel the same way, but there's not like when, when you're in it, it like, it took me a long time to really feel comfortable in like sitting with my emotions or sitting with emotions of others that felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, Oh no, like get away or like, I need to fix it. But then I was like, oh, so much gratitude for this beautiful process. Like it, it really can be beautiful. And I, I, I wish that for every single woman or man who's listening to this podcast. So thank you, Courtney. That was such a beautiful episode. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun doing it. And I feel like this episode might just speak to a few people like individually, like it might not be the most like general approach, but I feel like we covered what we, you know, covered today for a reason. So I really, really hope that this helps, you know, maybe like inspire or cause you to have a conversation or, you know, whatever. I feel like it's all for a purpose. So I hope that it's been helpful for you all who are listening and thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. I trust this episode will reach who it needs to reach. And I think from there, it could just be like a ripple effect. I remember my friend told me that. She was like, Kiara, you have literally changed my life. And like, I'm telling my mom about it and she's going to tell someone about it and so on and so forth. Like, it's just, you really have to remember Mm -hmm. that it's not this, like, it doesn't have to be this grandiose or grand scale thing. Um, I know I have to remember myself of that every single day almost um but if it's just like one person that we're helping like that is that is money right there so um thank you courtney oh lastly where can we find you if anyone's still listening (laughs) i love you first of all i love you no um so on instagram kale me court k-a-l-e me K-O-U-R-T. I like, like I always have to spell it out. Nutrition. Um, and then website, killmecourt.com. But of course I have like a link in my bio and I have a membership that's called Worthy Womanhood. And that's also 
through my bio, but then also worthywomanhood.com. And I have a freebie that will be out by the time that this episode airs. So grab the freebie too, of course, please. I want to help you. Um, but yeah, check me out on Instagram and yeah, loved, loved this conversation today. So thank you so much for having me on. And I really do believe that it is going to help some people a lot. So I'm excited to hear the response. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. All right, guys. Thanks for listening until next time. Bye. Before you go, I want to make sure that everyone is well aware that I am not seeing any VIP clients past the end of this year, any new VIP clients for the foreseeable future, because we are actually launching a live group program next year. And I'm so excited, but, um, I really need to focus my energy towards enhancing that group program. And one-on-one work is so special and sacred to me. I want to make sure that I'm uh, giving forth the energy that my one-on-one clients need and deserve. So this is the last time I'll be running my VIP program, at least for now. So if you have been wanting to work with me and looking to deepen your healing journey and wanting someone on your side to kind of co-nourish with, I always like to tell my clients that they're in the driver's seat of their healing journey. I'm just like riding shoddy alongside of you and just really handing you like all the tools, all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom that I know. And then we baby step it. Um, I know a lot of this uh, in this space is going to feel very overwhelming, especially if it's all new to you or if you've kind of been in a state of chaos for quite some time. I think one-on-one support is is very special and worth it. Um, I personally love one-on-one calls with my clients and have built such beautiful relationships with them and even friendships. So I would love to support you if you are looking to deepen that healing journey of yours. Um, You guys can click the link in the description box to apply and then we'll hop on a discovery call to see if it's a good fit. But until next time, guys, bye.